0: Welcome to the Coast to Coast podcast. My name is Kyle, and this is The Rundown. The Rundown is a weekly segment that highlights some of the biggest, weirdest, and most notable events of the week in entertainment. The number of items will vary, as will the subject matter. It will not always make a ton of sense. Some items might not even be about entertainment, to be honest, or from this week. The important thing is that it's Friday, and we are here to have some fun. Item number one. The discourse has gone off the rails, and frankly, I love it. One thing about me, I love a little chaos. Not too much. Not so much that people are throwing flaming trash cans through the windows of department stores, but enough to create a little bedlam. That's why I'm pleased to report I absolutely adore this little filmmakers versus Marvel mud fight we have going on right now. You know, the outline of it already. I imagine Martin Scorsese kicked it off on the Irishman press tour by comparing Marvel movies to amusement park rides, comics, uh, comic nerds got mad at him. Film dorks got mad at him. Then Francis Ford Coppola looked up from his vineyard and swooped in with an utterly delicious and borderline unnecessary take calling the films despicable. Comic nerds got mad, film dorks got mad, a bunch of Marvel adjacent actors and directors came out with a very delicate, I loved Raging Bull and The Godfather, I wish everyone could get along type two steps. Bob Iger, CEO of Disney, legitimately one of the most powerful people in the world Given, you know, Disney's ridiculous dominance of the modern film market, the man in charge of the people in charge of both Star Wars and Marvel catapulted himself into the fray too. He says, I reserve the word despicable for someone who committed mass murder. These are movies. He continued, they want to bitch about movies. It's certainly their right. And I love it. I love every piece of it. I even love how hopelessly exhausting it is. That's part of the fun. I hope we keep asking people for their opinions about this until the end of time. Give me a five-paragraph Tarantino answer that name-checks 40 different spaghetti westerns that no one has seen. Ask Vin Diesel about it and see how quickly he compares the Fast and the Furious franchise to The Godfather. You know, family is everything. Find an old woman wearing a dozen or more scarves and ask her to hold a seance to get a quote from Orson Welles. I want everyone squirming and on the record. And let's not stop at film people either. Ask people at the next presidential debate. Let's watch that circus. I mean, if you thought people were mad before, oh boy. Give me two numbskull pundits shouting over each other about the political ramifications of a candidate saying the Marvel movies are fun, but mm, fluff. I won't watch any of it. Not for a single second, not even by accident because I'm, I'm very vigilant about these things, but I will still be sitting here cackling like a super anyway, item number two, please. Jeremy irons control your dogs. Jean Lacar, legendary spy novel author, the man responsible for the books that brought us the film adaptation of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy and the television adaptation of The Night Manager and Little Drummer Girl, has a new book out. Jeremy Irons is in The Watchman, which uh, premiered this week, and that is more than enough of an excuse to share this anecdote from a 2013 profile of Lacar. Lacar likes to hash through actors and their performances. The old spy in him still seeks to size people up, probing for strengths and vulnerabilities. He praises Philip Seymour Hoffman's artistic intelligence about his own body. He recalls opposing Jeremy Irons for the lead role in the 1990 film of his novel, The Russia House. The part went to Sean Connery uh, on moral grounds because of an incident in a London park. Quote, Iron's vicious dog, the car said, attacked my smaller dogs. He never stopped to apologize. Iron says that they may have had an altercation, but that does not, um, he doesn't remember any of the dogs actually being hurt. And I'm sure things like this happen all the time in Hollywood. Maybe not the dog on dog violence of it all, but definitely the petty interpersonal beef spilling over into the work. It happens everywhere else in the world. There are million-dollar business mergers tossed in the toilet every year because of Hamptons-related grievances. What I love about this, though, is that Lacar has held onto it for over 20 years to such a degree that he's out here bringing it up on the record to reporters from the New York Times when he had zero obligation to do so. He's just like, anyway, uh, Jeremy Irons is a weasel who can't control his dogs, and... And throwing a fresh tire into a fire that had appeared to be burning out. Uh, the Times called Irons for a comment. Imagine getting that call. Imagine a New York Times reporter calling you out of nowhere for a statement about a fight your dogs were in 20 years ago. Imagine the face Jeremy Irons made. It's beautiful. Please make a note, entertainment journalist always ask your interview subjects if they were ever involved in a dog-related kerfluffle with another celebrity. It won't always bear fruit. You'll get a lot of confused looks, but you might also get, I refuse to let Jeremy Irons play a part in my movie because his dogs attacked my dogs and he was kind of a jerk about it. You can't risk leaving that stone unturned. Item number three, donut heist. Well, guess what? Somebody stole donuts from the set of Law & Order SVU. I know this because the police, the real police, were called about it. Here, listen. Police are responding to a report of a man stealing donuts from a Law & Order shoot. That was the call. I don't really have much to add here. Some would say perhaps that I just wanted an excuse to say the words donut heist and... um record this on this segment, but, but it's an interesting point. Of course, um, law and order SVU has been on television for almost 20 years. There's a non-zero chance that they've run out of fresh ideas to the degree that they do an episode about stolen donuts. At some point, I would very much like to hear ice T say, what kind of sick freak steals donuts in his voice, of course. Now it's time for listener mail. If you have questions about television, movies, food, local news, weather, or whatever you want, shoot them to me on Twitter. Use the hashtag rundown. And I am the first podcaster to ever, uh, answer listener mail. um, in a segment. Don't look that last part up from Tony greetings from South Africa with Paul Rudd playing two versions of himself in a new Netflix TV series. My question to you is. Which TV shows or movies could be improved with an actor playing two different versions of themselves? Hmm. This is a good question. I love a nice little dual role. J.K. Simmons did it in Counterpart. um, And that was was a great show. Hmm. The trick here is that if we're taking a show that already exists and creating a double role for the lead, it has to be a show that features one main lead. No ensembles, not even really a show like Justified, only because Boyd Crowder um, was already a kind of bizarro Raylan who never escaped his father's shadow. The Sopranos is an option, I suppose, but that was already a dual role in a way, just the way tony flipped from vulnerable to pure rage um man that's a tough one good question and now the news from colombia The brother of notorious drug Lord Pablo Escobar has threatened to take down Elon Musk with a hundred million dollar lawsuit for stealing his plans for a flamethrower, according to a report that, that sentence in some, in some kind of ride, it's, it keeps getting wilder as it progresses too. I kind of wish it had kept going like Uh, take down Elon Musk for stealing his plans for a flamethrower that he planned to use to destroy the moon. But I'm sure you're wondering how and why Pablo Escobar's brother got into the flamethrower business. From the report, he claims the idea of a new toy flamethrower came from the way the Escobar brothers would burn their mounds of cash to keep warm, insisting that the model being sold by Musk is actually their copyright. (laughs) <laughs> it continues Musk and his boring company started selling its model last year calling it not a flamethrower to overcome customs regulations against transporting flamethrowers the device um, though it was not currently for sale the website claims more than 20,000 have been purchased Escobar's model meanwhile is advertised for 249 on a website showing a bikini clad model using one Nothing screams extremely legit quite like $250 flamethrower sold by Pablo Escobar's brother on a website that for, that features bikini clad women using them in the same way that he and his notorious brother used them to burn piles of money to stay warm while they were on the run from the Colombian government I'll take 3 Crips is right around the corner The report follows Escobar claims the alleged thief and theft proves that the Tesla founder is even worse than his kingpin brother, whose cartel monopolized the cocaine trade into the U.S. before he was shot dead by officials in 1993. Wow. I hope this goes all the way to the Supreme Court.